I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. We use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I am director of the Fifth Element. I highlight Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. Walking Def Jam building, I come to shit. Tell me, give me 50 million, I'ma quit. Let's take it. into a building and just go give me money <laughs> imagine walking into Def Jam's building and saying give me money like you've got real real thugs in that building the, like, the stones the stones you must have glorious <laughs> love those days you gotta love Rock those up. days it was just like fuck everything man it's like give me money I deserve money like stop treating That's me like confidence. shit just hitting people with bottles and fucking yeah Throwing chairs at people, like that's 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 <laughs> the best era ever. Nineties best era. Oh yeah, no, that's no, it's, it's facts, it's facts. Uh, uh, just before we begin, Ben, what time is it for you over there? It is seven oh six a.m. Oh, that's good, that's good. So I can give you a good it. <laughs> All right, hi Ben. How's your week been? Hope you blisters. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Week's been good, man. Week's been good. Uh, Listen to a lot this week. Listen to a lot. Uh, Tiwa Savage was my favorite album of the week. Celia, 9 out of 10. I gave you that. I thought this was just a fucking joy to listen to. Like, I might even give this a 10 in a couple of weeks' time because I don't think I'm going to stop listening to it. The opening drums on Save My Life, uh, she just slides in with this, like, gravelly, organic quality in her vocals. The swelling warmth of the final song, Celia's song. It's like, this is an album in the true traditional sense. I felt like it told a story. It kind of holds your hand whilst it takes you on the journey. And it's beautiful. I haven't I haven't stopped listening to it since it dropped. Like, I just put it on all the time. It's great in the background, whatever, man, in the car. It's, it's a great project. Please check that out. Red Veil, uh, his new album, I gave that an 8 out of 10. This one blew up the other day because uh, Fantano shat on it and then uh, people went crazy on uh, Twitter. And then he was trending. Fantano was trending over this. This kid is a 16-year-old kid who's recording and producing and mixing the whole thing in his room. And the criticism is that he sounds too much like Earl Sweatshirt, which is such a stupid criticism because Earl sounds like Doom and no one cares about that. Like so many rappers sound like so many other rappers. And, you know, Red Veil is tapping into that aesthetic, but he's also tapping into, like, the SoundCloud era with the song Clench. Then he has, like, the Griselda feel with Grass. Uh, he links up with Junie, who we've talked about. We love Junie so much. Shout and, out, friend of 5V. Yeah, crazy. And that song is really great. I love this album. It hasn't left my rotation. I got it a few weeks ago, and uh, I'm really happy that he's getting the love he deserves for this. Like, he has... Uh, He's glowed up in the last couple of weeks and it's been really beautiful to watch. Uh, LOX, Living Off Experience, gave that a 7.5 out of 10. I never want to hear another LOX love song, okay? They just destroyed this fucking album, which had genuine classic potential. The opening song is one of the hardest songs this year. I was listening to that the other day. I went for I was went for a trail run and it was a tough run, man. Like I was completely fucked. It was a hot day. And I get in the car and I had no energy left. And then this song comes on. 
and I'm just like just banging my head like crazy. Like, this is fucking insane, man. I just want to put my head through a brick wall. And then then the joint with DMX comes on two songs later. That's fire. Uh, the story story is like that song is wild, man. That everyone please go listen to the song story off LOX's album. It's just a perfect throwback to those storytelling songs with a wild punchline at the end. I had no idea that was coming. Like, that really hit me out of the blue. And then we get LOX, West Side Gun, and Benny the Butcher, man. Fucking, I'm, tr- I'm trying to control myself right now because that song is so fire and I was so excited by that. I just love that. But then we get the trash, man. Like, there's only three real bad songs. Like, Do To Me, Dirty Dirty, and Commitment. They're just totally unlistenable. I don't want to hear them. I don't, I just, I don't enjoy it. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why. Jadakiss doing relationship stuff as a solo artist is great. But, I don't know, as a, as a group, it really took me out of the experience. But apart from that, it's a great album. Uh, Quando Rondo, Diary of a Lost Child, 7.5 out of 10 I gave it. I always shit on Quando Rondo on here. I always say, like, he's just young thug clone and why hasn't he got any originality? This was great. This was really, really good. I never got that young thug vibe. The whole project is really deep and emotional and powerful. It feels authentic and real. And I think that was a great project, man. Like, that was a really, that hit me out of left field. I did not expect to enjoy that so much. Uh, Flea Lord and Mephix, I think is how you pronounce his now. Mephix, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Pray for the Evil 2, I gave that a 7 out of 10. Flea Lord, this is his eighth project of 2020. This is, his, I think it's his third project in three weeks, actually. Maybe four weeks. But uh, last week the, was the one that 38 Special produced entirely. That had a much darker, denser vibe. The tone on this record is almost celebratory. It's very anthemic at times. There's, there's this like hands-in-the-air quality to the beats. You juxtapose that with Flea Lord's gritty delivery, uh, which does increase in energy but kind of loses nothing in authenticity and that gruffness he has. I like this project a lot. I like it more than last week's project. Uh, I, I think people are starting to pay attention now because he's just dropping constantly. Like I'm seeing a lot more chatter about him when I post about him. Uh, so it's working. The 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 dropping every week is definitely working for him. Then we get to Nasty C, uh, Zulu Man with some power. Gave that a 6 out of 10 because this Nasty C has so much potential, honestly. He, he is just an incredible artist. This is his first album on Def Jam. Uh, which kind of segues into our topic today. And he's from South Africa. He just sounds silky smooth on everything he does. There's only one element that could go wrong with him, and that's the content. And it goes wrong. It doesn't always go wrong, but when it does, it's really clunky and kind of lame. Like La Vida Loca is just a generic sleepy romp down just that unimaginative street of I'm rich, now I get to fuck lots of women, and also I take drugs as well. It's like, bro, we've heard this a million times. Easy is just about money. Uh, I don't know. Like, he has so much talent and ability, okay? His voice hits like a fucking 808 on That's Hard, for example, like with Ari Lennox on that, or on Black and White, he's just honey. And then Zulu Man is one of the songs of the year. Like, he just slips effortlessly in and out of a stunning flow in his native language. The next track is great as well. 
I just really get fed up with these new artists slipping money and drugs into their music as if this is what you need to do to sell records. And yet often it's like so at odds with the rest of their content. Like you're trying to uplift and you're doing a really brilliant job of it. Keep doing that. We don't need this song like Easy. We don't need you to tell us about how you're rich and that's why you get to sleep with lots of women. It's pointless. I I don't know why they're doing it. Like I know that that's the vibe and that's that's where everyone's going these days in trap music, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I just felt like that that was pandering, but the, the apart from that it was a great project. Like if you remove like 10 of those songs or not 10, like maybe 8 and just keep it like a 12 10 track so- album, that's a great project. Uh, Wi-Fi's funeral, pain, four out of ten. Uh, there's no need to subject yourself to listening to this because I already took that bullet for you. So just skip it. <laughs> All right, that's just me. Um, so I got it a lot this week. Uh, let's try and get through it. Uh, started off with that Duckworth, super good, yeah, which um, as it? as as titled is super good. Uh, yeah, so that's kind right. of why I titled it. It's, it's, it's super good, real nice vibe, uh, West Coast isms there. Um, just super smooth in the whip sunset. Oh yeah, but uh, absolute absolute uh, OP vibe. Um, felt felt for you, uh, Mers, um, Slug, and uh, also Ant. I think from Atmosphere uh, nice. producing uh, the entire project. Um, I don't think they've dropped in like ten years or so. It's been a while, so uh, it's quite interesting uh, to see where they've come uh, come since then. And uh, yeah, if you like Mers or Slug, uh, well, I like Mers, so I gave this a listen. And uh, yeah, man, it's a solid, it's a solid listen. Very, very West Coast. Um, you have a NASAP rock feature here as well. Nice. Uh, so that's something a little, little bit different there. It's all, it's, it's all Mers and Slug uh, just going through um, life and talking uh, about life, basically, and where they're at right now. It's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of nice. Um, uh, you know, uh, how am I feeling in that in the moment kind of thing? Like uh, a day in the life kind of kind of bars. Uh, Rich Brian, nineteen ninety nine, the mm. EP, the EP package. Um, Thoughts? He's going down this. Uh, he's going down this pop rap route, and uh, you know, doing the having like uh, you know, uh, uh, some throwback elements. We'll, we'll just say, um, you know, with the certain samples like that one in love in my pocket. I think the original song was drugs in my pocket uh, uh, something in my pocket and he obviously renamed it to love in my pocket and uh yeah it's 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 cool it's cool it's um yeah it's right it's cool it's, yeah rich brian rich brian's um obviously evolving as an artist in, in front of our eyes and yeah. this is obviously like a good midpoint to see where he's going to go with the next album and uh you know for for better or worse it's going to go into that you know poppy direction similar to where joji is um in that case uh, pretty much the same thing in that in that fashion. Nans crabs in a bucket. Yeah, uh, I, t- I, I, I saw that. I saw that. I saw. I saw that. I saw that low number you get. Yeah. Uh, low score you gave. I it. fucking I saw got that, dragged um, for that shit too. Yeah, man, you, you're you're tripping on that, bro. You're uh, tripping. You're big tripping on that one. Um, uh, someone, someone, someone said Nines is better than Kendrick, and that blew up. <laughs> that one tweet blew up because it said Kendrick on my Twitter, and I was like, oh, oh, what's this? And I clicked in, I was just like. <laughs> Why? Why are people like this? Like, why, you, guys? Nines is great. Just, just stop there. Like, just stop. We don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Um, but yeah. Anyway, past that, the album's great. It's a, it's a, it's a good album. Um, it's kind of, it kind of uh, sits in the same plane as uh, King's Disease, aforementioned, where like the the features 
are really make or break the album. Um, so you have some good ones here. Uh, Tig's the author on NIC is real nice. Uh, Heady one and Odile. Uh, I think it's Odile. Mm. Yeah, on uh, Ringling's real a good. good. Track, yeah. uh, didn't mind the Stalker inter- interlude. That was really that was a really cool one. Uh, but you also have stuff like uh, I'm not a big fan of NSG to be honest. The Roy Woods one, Roy Woods hook on Money ain't a, th- ain't a thing is eek. Oh, I like um, it. And uh, the one I don't know which feature it was. I don't know which fe- feature it was on All Stars two. But one of the one of the verses completely killed it for me. The rest of them, bro. If that song just didn't have that one verse, uh, uh, which I I I haven't I haven't bothered to look who into who it was. Um, but if that one verse wasn't in that, it would definitely be in my songs of the year list. Um, because that that shit slept. That shit was so hard. The beat, all of that, and it, it was a good um, it was a good uh, consistency there, which which you which you do get with nines. And um, I, you know what? If you want to compare him, he's like a UK pusher T. Let's say that because okay. he he does the same. You know, drug drug bars. You know, stuff like that. You know, all all that kind of stuff. Top boy, top boy vibes, basically. And uh, yeah, I don't think he's changed much, and uh, you know it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting. So uh, uh, it's you know what you're gonna get with Nines, and uh, I enjoyed Crop Circle last time, his last album, and I enjoyed this one as well. Um, definitely on the long list, uh, potentially on the short list. Might need to give it a few more listens just to because, like I said, the the, the features do really do make <laughs> make or break uh, the whole album because there are a few of them. Uh, which next, Jared Evan, uh, the art form of whatever two. Yeah, um, I like so. That. This is I saw I saw you listen to this last week and I was like I haven't heard, I haven't heard him time because there was a song he had on the More Than a Game soundtrack which is a documentary about LeBron James when he was in high school and uh, he had a song on that soundtrack and it was really good and I really enjoyed it and uh, I I just didn't bother like trying to find him ever, ever again and then I just saw the name pop up and I was like oh right. Oh come on then, let me, let me, let's do it for old time's sake. And uh, yeah, it's it's similar to it's similar to Rich Brian in some ways. Like he has that emotional pop kind of uh, uh, sound in some of the songs. Um, you know, very atmospheric. Uh, it's kind of similar to like Medion uh, from like uh, in in electric uh, electronic circles. Um, but he also does have them. You know, just you know, nice solid hip hop. Uh, Hip hop songs, obviously, like the one with uh, Sky Zoo and uh, Static Selector on the um, on the on the production as well. That's a super super clean hip hop track, real solid. Uh, but yes, it's, it's it's there. There are some um, kind of just uh, I don't want to say throwaways, but just songs that don't have that are very just. They just leave you with the production and just leave you to go wherever you want with it in your head. Um, and just not like very minimal from a lyrical standpoint, uh, which was kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, man, shout out to Jared Evans, shout out to Jared Evans for sure. Uh, the other guy is Summer in Analog Season 2. Um, love these guys, love their beats. Um, for me personally, this wasn't really summary. Um, I got I got different, I got a different uh, uh, season when it came to some of these songs, but uh, regardless of that, uh, the beats do hit nice. Um, so, you know, if you want some hip hop beats for about 17 minutes or 11 minutes, I forget. Uh, go for it, it's solid. Uh, a couple of friends of Fire V, Rick Flow, Rebirth of the Phoenix gave me this one. Uh, graciously gave me this one before the release release uh, release date. Um, really love this album. Uh, really loving what Rick Flow's got on here. Um, he has some real solid evolution as a uh, as a solo artist right now. Uh, it's it's really nice to see. Um, you really do get some uh, great commentary on a lot of things. 
uh, uh, stuff like um, being a farming child, if you guys uh, don't know what that means, uh, well, it's a long story, but uh, go look up the film Farming and what give that a watch, or just go look up the, the term, uh, real great uh, just song about that, I think it's called Forbidden Games, um, and uh yeah, it's got it's it's just some it's just some great hip hop UK hip hop honestly. So uh, it's dropping on uh, the third of September. Um, give that a peep uh, when it drops. And uh, yeah, man, shout out to Rick Flo on that. Uh, Neek Neek Experience two point uh, He this is the second time he's done a live album, um, and uh, it's just made me sad the fact that I can't see anything live now. So thanks, Neek. Thank thanks for that. Cheers. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Neek in front of a very intimate crowd from how it sounds, uh, probably about like 30 to 50 people, very, very intimate. Uh, but yeah, it's it's real nice, uh, it's a real solid live album. Uh, PJ Morton, uh, Gospel According to PJ, PJ Morton with a Gospel album, finally did it, it's taken a while, all his career, but he's finally done one. And uh, yeah, man, just the the features alone the feature list alone just from just from a gospel and vocal perspective kim burrell jay moss kirk franklin uh lena bird miles commissioned uh leandria johnson mary mary the clark sisters uh brian courtney wilson tasha cobbs leonard yolanda adams geez man if you know any of those names give this a listen because it's solid it is a gospel album um, but I fig, but I I I like to see gospel as like you know real as super traditional R and B. Um, so yeah, just try and get your head out of that fact that it's gospel. Please give it a listen. If you don't listen to gospel, just give it a try. It's real solid. There are some great vocals on here, and just some great musicianship musicianship as well. And lastly, <coughs> Protege, In Search of Lost Time. Oh, this is definitely on the album shortlist, man. Definitely on the album shortlist. So, so fire. And literally, as I was recording, I sent this to my boy T. <laughs> and he goes, yo, the album was fire. Oh, my days. So nice. Uh, this one really does well with the features. Coffee comes through first track uh, with her best feature yet. Um, don't talk to me about the rest of them. Uh, I forgot what the popular one she had um, on a. I think it was was it uh, Khalid? I think I forget. Um, but yeah, this this is her best feature. So if you like coffee, this is the one. This is the feature. This is that feature that just hits so cleanly. Her flow is op, um, and it's just like it, it's just only be- It can only get better from here because uh, you know coffee's obviously very young and uh, you know just. Real, real, uh, real, uh, real fire star. Uh, Wiz Khalifa's on here. Uh, Lila Ek, uh, Lila Ik, sorry, absolutely steals her song in Bloom. It's like it's a Lila Ik song featuring Proje because she jacks that song and just ransacks it. Uh, Popcorn, unlike royalty, absolutely clean. And uh, the other tracks as well, just a, a real nice uh, deliverance is good. Weed and Ting. Uh, and strange happenings and self defense as well. Uh, super, it's, it's, the whole album's clean, clean man. It's ten tracks. It's just under forty minutes. Super short if you if you count that. Um, but yeah, man, it's just a real clean listen, real clean modern reggae. Please get into that. It's definitely on my shortlist for album of the year. And uh, yeah, with that said, we shall jump in to our topic for this week. 
and it is all about Def Jam. A, I think it's the first ever label <coughs> label retrospective we've done. Uh, we're gonna do, mm. uh, and uh, um, what what label could we ever possibly pick apart from Def Jam as the first pick? Like it's it's Def Jam. It's it's um, when Def Jam. Excuse me. When Def Jam began, they were the they were the gold standard for a long while, <laughs> for a good two decades. They were the gold standard. They were the hip hop label, and um, obviously, we're going to try and answer at some point where did it go wrong because it did go wrong and it has gone wrong. Um, mm. And yeah, man, it's just seeing it now for what it is um, compared to where it was. I know you can easily, you know, zoom out and say it's a, you know, a similar pedestal from where it was. Um, but if you kind of adjust for cultural inflation, uh, a term which I've totally just made up, <laughs> made up, uh, but for some reason in my head makes sense. Hopefully it does make sense to you guys. Um, it's it's lesser. It's, it's lesser. Um, so uh, however you want to see it, uh, there has been a downturn somewhere, and we shall obviously uh, uh, enlighten you guys on that front. Uh, but before we do any of that, hmm. we got to take a walk, ladies and gentlemen. Grab your coats. We're taking the walk. <laughs> he opens the door. Ear. He Hi, Ben. The door. <laughs> 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 what, do you want to do the ear? <laughs> ear. <laughs> you, does your door creak? I don't know. I mean, it is pretty new. You got a fucked up door. If it's it a is new true. House. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's only two weeks old. This place. He's <laughs> in a room before. Charlie kept me locked in a room, and he's like, "Work, work, work." And I said, "I need facilities, Charlie. I need to have no, a shower. I need, no, a, I need a fridge. I need some food, do man. This. Stop feeding me this you astronaut change food." Change the storyline. Shit is hard I over here. You guys don't know. Charlie's Charlie's crazy with this. He's like, "Research, research." <laughs> You know why I don't post so much on hip-hop numbers anymore? Research. (laughs) (laughs) Dick. (laughs) I ain't cracking no whips, says the job. No whips are being cracked. But we're at Ben's research home. We're having some cookies and milk. What's good, Ben? What you got? So we're going to do Def Jam. Def Jam, Def Jam, Def Jam. Like, the way that I want to look at this... I, I kept it kind of loose because I want to discuss this. I, I don't think a, a big retelling of their history is, you know, the 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 the, the more important parts are uh, are relevant at the moment. And the thing about it is, the thing about when we say what happened to Def Jam, I mean, Def Jam was Def Jam is the hip hop label. It was the first major hip hop label. It functioned basically as a major label independently for years and it just became the place for hip hop. If you signed to Def Jam, that's where Warren G went. He left uh the, he left where he was and he went to New York. It's like West Coast versus East Coast. That's how big it was. That's how big of a draw it was, you know? So it's just it's the biggest thing that happened in hip hop throughout that period, all these superstar artists, all these superstar albums, you know, they have the first ever number one album, which is uh, Licensed to Ill by the Beastie Boys, which is now Diamond. You know, they broke LL Cool J and a lot of interviews, a lot of people are here talking about who inspired them to get into hip hop. LL, you know, he was on TV. I forget what show he was on. Um, I don't know. I haven't got it written down, but I remember so many rappers saying they saw him on this show 
And they were just like, wow, rappers can be successful. Like rappers can have a commercial career. They can make money. Like that was just epic back in the 80s. And and that was Def Jam. They did this shit. So, you know, it was Russell Simmons, Rick Rubin, just in the dorm room at university. And it was just one of the first places hip hop artists could be paid big time, like really fucking big time. And the way that it started was they were just like hosting parties and that's what I want to impress upon this podcast is Def Jam's too big to fail. Def Jam is, it's like a major label at this point. What it is? I mean, it's it's owned by Universal. So we're never going to say, like Def Jam have got like Big Sean, Logic. They've got a million artists. Kanye's good music is, is on Def Jam. So they're never going to be completely like they're not gonna they're not gonna fall into obscurity, you know, the way that say No Limit may have, or the way Rockefeller died, or the way Bad Boy hasn't really put out anything relevant in a while and, and is struggling in that sense compared to their heyday in the late nineties. It's never gonna happen for Def Jam. It's a different kind of situation, it's a different kind of label. But the problem is that they used to be these great curators of talent that would take these incredible young artists and then turn them into fucking massive stars. Like I've got some lists down here before. Like we've got LL Cool J, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, Slick Rick, EPMD, Redman, Onyx, Warren G, Foxy Brown, DMX, Jay-Z, Ja Rule, Ludacris. Like that's insane. That's crazy for one label to be at the forefront of the, the, the careers of these artists, legends in hip hop. But nowadays, like when was the last time you can remember a young hip-hop artists being brought up through the system by Def Jam. Like, they're just not doing it anymore. And even when they do do it, it's like they're hopping on the back of an artist who's already built their own buzz. You know, Big Sean had already built his own buzz. And the story around Big Sean's debut album was that Def Jam wasn't going to ever push it. It was Big Sean who was doing all the promotional work. He was heating up the streets. He was the one that was building his own core fan base. And then all of a sudden, Def Jam's like, oh, hang on, this guy's got a fan base. Like, there's a difference, and and that the the authenticity and organic quality that Def Jam had was built in the same way that hip hop was built. You know, in that performative era, like we're having these parties, we're having these like you know DJs round, and whatever works, whatever heats the party up, whatever people are enjoying, that's what we're gonna push. And it was always about the music. You know, it wasn't about the money, and and that's what they said. Like Rick Rubin was only involved in Def Jam for a short period of time. He went to uh, where did he go after that? I think he started his own label after Def Jam, but it was only a couple of years he was at Def Jam. But he's so in like entrenched in the culture of it because that's where it began. It began with Rick Rubin in his dorm room, just like pressing up records. And, you know, it's just an unbelievable startup story from that to selling to Universal and being like the the hip hop label. Like I find that really intriguing. Yeah, man. It's um it's it's certainly just one of those um it's one of those quintessential hip hop stories and <clears throat> in some way when you said uh, the Def Jam is the hip hop label it, it kind of it kind of still is in some way because it kind of reflects um i f- i feel like Def Jam reflects where hip hop was at that point and where it is now it's kind of the 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 lines of the the uh, what do you want to call them? the st- the the arcs for both hip hop as a whole and Def Jam is like so it's, it's so 
much it, it, they're so connected like like you said like they they have def jam starting up literally as a startup you know similar to you know google starting off in a garage like shit like that like real grassroots shit and hip-hop was also that grassroots shit started off in someone's flat or apartment wherever you you know depending on your terminology in the world um and then you, you have that you have that steady rise and obviously def jam had that steady rise they, they then they broke boundaries with beastie boys with ll cool j and they were on top of the game for a long while right and, mm. you know, obviously hip-hop wasn't exactly um, as uh, popular as, um, uh, well, as it is now from a statistical standpoint. Obviously, now it's the most listened to genre of music in the world, uh, well, in the U.S. specifically. Mm. Um, so apart from that, you know, minor <laughs> demarcation, uh, Def Jam was hip-hop throughout the 90s. And then, you know, and then obviously it just took a turn somewhere. And, uh, you know, while it also, you know, we'll probably mention, you know, uh, in the early 2000s, how it, you know, broke off into other things, comedy, of course, um, shout out to the guys at All Def, uh, always provided me with the uh, mad bants, uh, made me feel better actually yesterday, uh, watching their stuff, uh, to be completely honest, and, uh, you know, comedy, uh, TV, fucking, fuck, Def Jam Fight for NY is a top five PS2 game, bro. Top fucking, fucking five PS2 game, bro. Like that fighting game was clean. Storyline is crazy, oh my man. Gosh, is just great. Oh man, it was so elite, so elite. Fight for NY was such an elite game. If you guys never played that game, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for you because that shit was so fire. Oh my days. But anyway, man, that's and that's it. It's, it it became. So close to having that ubiquity, like so close to having to having that ubiquity, like where you know, where you see something like Motown, you know, see that's just that's just standard in American music. Uh, you can you can name a few others if you like. I can't really have any in my head, but yeah, you know, stuff like that. It could have it was so close to being something like Motown, so close to it, so ubiquitous. And I don't think we see Def Jam as that anymore. We see the artist part of Def Jam, but we see the artist. We don't see, you know, Def Jam above them, even though, you know, if, if, if they are signed to Def Jam, we just don't, we, we just don't recognize that thing. Uh, you know, we recognize Kendrick, but we also, we also recognize TDE, right? In that sense, we recognize J. Cole and we also re recognize Dreamville in that sense, right? We can recognize named Def Jam artist here, but I never recognised Def Jam, if that makes any sense. And I guess that's a sense of identity that has been lost. Um, and and you know, I, and you know, connecting to what I was talking about previously with the hip hop connection. I don't know hip hop's identity these days. Some sometimes I get lost in that kind of uh, in that kind of conversation with myself. So yeah, that was kind of my. Uh, a visual element I'd like to try and put in you guys' heads <laughs> and hopefully it uh, got through. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I see Def Jam. Yeah, it's interesting, like, as you as you say, you know, hip-hop being the most listened to genre in the US right now and who is Def Jam? Like, what is their what is their identity at this point in, in time? Like, I didn't even know that Nas wasn't on Def Jam anymore. Like, it's, it's so interchangeable. It's almost like, 
you know, the casual fan won't even care about who is on Def Jam, whereas back in the day it was massive. You know, being on Def Jam was this huge thing. And they actually put out us an album in 2019. It was called Undisputed. And it was kind of like the new era for Def Jam. That was the press release. And I'm going to say some of the acts that were on it. And I want you to know, oh, I want you to like think to yourself, do I know any of these <laughs> artists now? Fetty Luciano, Sneak, Lol G, YFL Kelvin, YK Osiris, Nimic Revenue, Lil Brook, or Ashton Travis. Never heard of any of those artists except YK Osiris. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, there, was I mean? a, there was another one there uh, that, I've, that I've heard in passing, but yeah, I've never heard any of their music. So, like, yeah, guaranteed, yeah, I haven't heard any of their music. That was well over a year ago, and I haven't heard anything from any of those artists except YK Osiris's album, who came out and it was just like promoted like crazy, and it just died. Nothing happened with it, you know. So yeah. that's the saddest thing because in the '90s, Def Jam was a family. You know, I was listening to um, Drink Champs with Nori and Kevin Lyles and Leo Cohen. Now they are obviously essential in this story. You know, they're so essential to the '90s and the early 2000s at Def Jam, and basically shaping hip-hop and shaping the way that a label should be run and the saddest thing is no one's ever replicated what Def Jam did in the 90s not yet you know we we might say Young Money but they've only really got three artists that are popping we might say Cash Money but you know they had a run but this is I think Rock Nation is going to be the closest that comes to that with Def Jam but again we have to give them time we don't know what direction they're going to go in but Nori said something really interesting you know Noriega of Capone and Noriega and uh he was like the Def Jam officers stopped people from committing crimes because we would just come up there at any like any time of day, any time of night. You could find people in the Def Fucking DMX would just be chilling in there, you know, just hanging out. Uh, who was it they were talking about? Someone, I, I remember reading a book and they were talking about being in Def Jam offices and Jill Scott Heron was just there, just hanging out, just chatting to people, smoking dope. Like, that's wild, man. Those stories are crazy. Imagine just walking up there and just got herons there. And so that was the family feel that Def Jam had back then. Not only were they breaking these artists, but they were saving them. That's a true A&R. That's what a true A&R does. You know, it, it teaches an artist how to move in these in in a different world, a world that they're not used to. And, you know, as I always go back to Jay-Z as an example. Like he was talking about the difference between moving in the world that he originally started moving in and then into the hip-hop world. And it's like a completely different thing because now you're famous and all the eyes are on you. And, you know, that was what Def Jam were doing. They were preparing these artists to be stars and it was just such a valuable thing. And then, Mm. you know, Kevin and Lior started to sign actual fucking labels. So they would sign fucking Rockefeller and bring Rockefeller under their arm or they would sign Murder, Inc. And, And that was so valuable because... As Irv Gotti and uh, Chris Gotti love to talk about, uh, Murder, Inc., these labels and and Rockefeller, because the original Rockefeller deal, I think it was Def Jam would take like 70% or 80% or something, and they would own the majority of it. And Jay-Z beat them down to a 50-50 deal somehow. I don't know how he did all with Dame Dash. It wouldn't have been Jay-Z. You know, shout out Dame Dash. He did all the cool business stuff. And yeah. That's a valuable thing because nowadays these imprints that that artists have have no real autonomy. You know, I was reading, I was doing some research on Shady Records and I really would like to do an episode on Shady one day and just look at what what happened there. 
and I was looking at Obi Trice, and you know, Obi Trice left the label after his, I think his second album, and he said, it wasn't so much Shady that I was unhappy with, it was Interscope, because Shady didn't do anything. Shady Records was just a mouthpiece for Interscope. It was just an imprint, and they had no real power. Eminem didn't really have any power over Interscope, so whatever Interscope said was what happened. Whereas Def Jam were fostering this... Mm. this uh, this system where they would support these labels and give them autonomy. And, you know, Irv Gotti was like, we just did whatever we wanted. Murder, Inc. was separate from Def Jam. It was just supported by Def Jam. And it's the same with Rockefeller. We know that. You know, Jay-Z was able to create his own label, bring on his own artists. And that's what I thought was really valuable of what Def Jam did in the 90s and what Lior and Kevin did was by empowering these artists to take control of their own careers. And, you know, one of the most interesting stories I was listening to, uh, I think it was Kevin who was talking about DMX. And this is what I thought. So so the, the way I'm going to say, like, Def Jam lost everything when they sold to Universal. They sold to Universal in 1998. They had, like, another five or six years where things began to turn way more corporate. But then it just became corporate. And I'll explain that in a second. What... Kevin told a great story. I think it was Kevin. It might have been Leo. They were both on the same podcast. And they were talking about Bad Boy and the shiny suit era and how Diddy was, you know, putting LOX in shiny suits, like really trying to bling up like hardcore rappers. And he had a crisis of conscience. It was like, this is blowing up. Like we're going to get killed by this because this is not us. I remember Rick Rubin saying that uh, Def Jam was like, black and white and shades of gray. It wasn't like Technicolor like that. And that was a, a an ethos that like followed it all through the 90s. It was gritty, it was grimy. And when DMX came, it basically saved the label because they realized that they could still adhere to this aesthetic and still be commercially successful and that organic feel. And I really liked that story. Uh, and it, it just shows like in the how in the 90s they had a... F- and, and I think that's why they don't have an identity now. That's why we don't know who's on Def Jam. We don't really care. Like, you know, you don't know that Big Sean's a Def Jam artist. You don't really know Logic's a Def Jam artist. You don't know that good music is under Def Jam. That fucking happened in 04, okay? Like, I know I'm talking about how they lost this, this ability. Good music was 04 when Kanye created it and started, like, running it under Def Jam. So it's like a 16-year thing. It's not a it's not a recent phenomenon. That It's just that Kanye's finally gotten more autonomy over his own career and over his own situation. And, yeah, they, they just, they've lost that. You know, they've lost that edge and they've lost that, like, that ethos and that grittiness. And when you do that in any realm of life, you know, when you lose that and, and move away from your own value system and chase something that is not really for you, which Def Jam have been doing, just chasing this huge commercial success, you lose your identity. And that's everything, man. That's everything because now you've just become another faceless major label. And I think that's really sad because what they had in the 90s was special. So could you I'll put this question to you? Like, could could you say that the fact that they tried to, they, they actively empowered artists, we'll say that, um, empowered artists to have that individual flair to each, to uh, compare to each other, instead of obviously doing the puffy route and putting, you know, the locks in shiny suits, mm. um, could you say that was to their detriment? Because having that um, individualism, could 
have potentially been that you know a, a factor, I guess, in 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 just uh, yeah. Because obviously you you mentioned like you know someone like Logic. Like I don't see Logic as Def Jam. I see Logic as the visionary media yeah, um, exactly. music group, whatever yeah. he whatever he has. So yeah, he has that. Right, he has his own thing. Obviously, it's under Def Jam, but we don't. Again, I don't see him as Def Jam. I see him as you know Logic and you know the VM uh, VMG he has. Right. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe possibly that individual individual uh, nature that they encouraged. Maybe that was to their detriment. I'd like to put that towards you. Uh... I, th- I, you know, I don't think so. Like, the thing that really struck me about it was if you look at like something like Maybach Music Group. Okay, now that's another. That's Rick Ross. Now Rick Ross has been on was on Def Jam. For, you know, we love to shit on Rick Ross, but I'm just going to use him as an example here. Um, if you look at at Maybach Music Group, even while Rick Ross was signed to Def Jam, Maybach Music was not on Def Jam. It was on another label. Like. It doesn't really matter, I guess, where these labels are. I think I think what I think has happened when they became corporate was that they started then to not facilitate the uh, individuality of these artists anymore and try and... And that's why Little Dirk left in 2012. It's why so many artists have left because they... St- they, they, they lock down this system and that's what major labels do. They get a system in place and a routine in place and they say, this worked for this artist, this artist is similar, so we'll do the exact same for them. And it's like these channels that they push these artists down. And I genuinely don't think it was to their detriment. I think that they needed to keep doing it and then they, they brought on L.A. Reid who was just not capable of doing it. Like a lot of people say behind the scenes that... Well, not behind the scenes, I mean on podcasts, but like people who were behind yeah. the scenes at the time say that L.A. Right. Reid was incapable of A&Ring an artist. He couldn't bring up a new artist and foster that individuality. All he could do yeah. was maintain stars. And if you look at the way Def Jam has moved since becoming corporate, all they've done is either sign giant stars like they did with Nas in the mid-2000s and then try and like you know, keep their career going or they've just held on to their stars like LL, like Jeezy, like Rick Ross and they've just held on to them with, you know, this death grip and been like, pull us forward, please, please. We don't know how to bring up a new artist. We just need you to keep doing numbers and keep the lights on. Look at the way that they've just rode Kanye West. Every year those numbers come out and they end up being Def Jam's highest selling project. Look at the way, like they, they will be killing themselves that you know Rihanna's not there anymore. Like Rihanna was absolutely killing it for them numbers wise, and yeah. so I genuinely think I do understand what you're trying to say because uh, by ha- giving those artists that autonomy and not bringing them in under the Def Jam circle and saying these artists are Def Jam artists, these are our artists, they lost that uh, potential to create like a genuine dynasty, like the way that we talk about Rockefeller. But I do think they already had that, like. Even even whilst doing that, even whilst allowing the autonomy to these artists, Def Jam is still spoken about in hushed terms because they were just that good. They were capable of managing that individuality and allowing that autonomy, but also having their own identity. And a lot of that was through the, the games and the poetry and the comedy and you know extracurricular activities and how they were taking hip hop. It was almost like they were taking hip hop back to where it was originally, you know, the five elements. 
and being like, we're going to add elements here. Mm. You know, we're going to we're going to say that mm. this is still part of hip hop. You know, comedy, poetry, video games. Like, look at how crazy everyone's gone over Travis Scott's Fortnite concert. Bro, Def Jam was doing this. They were putting music in video games in the early 2000s. They had fucking character, playable <laughs> characters. Like, that shit was crazy. They put their own name on it. <laughs> I know. Like, you know, so yeah. so I, yeah. I, I don't... I, I see the point of your question, but I just... I don't think it is the reason why they are now okay. lost that identity that they once had, you know? Okay. I just wanted to put that forward to you. I don't actively think that but i just wanted yeah, to put that yeah. forward to you as a devil's advocate um so with that said um i what i'm getting at uh what i'm getting from what you're saying here um is either the problem was uh the people high up or just the inevitable um the inevitable sense that when you get so big, it's harder to reach down. Uh, and I guess that universal deal, well, the universal buyout must have been the nail in the coffin from the sense of trying to, you know, get that grassroots tenant. And that is kind of why, you know, people, uh, that's kind of why labels have sub-labels, you know what I mean? So, so you, can, you, can, yeah. you can give people the task to... Yeah get the growing talent or they might have the growing talent regardless and you can just say come come with us <laughs> you could you could just you could just do that instead um very simply you know it's similar to like um it's similar to sports you know what i mean there's a, there's those teams that we all know of you can name from whatever sport where like you know they they get that homegrown talent and you know they try and raise them up and then they become the stars now and uh, uh, you know if if it's gone well uh, or you can just throw money at the problem, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I guess for some yeah, something like Def point. Jam as an entity, yeah. it's gotten it, it it got so big that it was hard. It, you can't you can't do Beastie Boys LL Cool J th- like in the in the two thousands. You you can't. You're too big for that. Uh, you just be you would just be taking what you, what some people might call unnecessary risks. Oh, let's just pick out this artist that I saw from the street. Like <laughs> you, you you can't do that. <laughs> you're Def Jam. You're you're the you're the label. So uh, unless they're unless they're fucking huge already, what's the point? There's no there's no point. Uh, and obviously I'm being very uh, all encompassing there, but you know the the statement remains the same. Uh, I, th- I I kind of I kind of feel like there's then two possible reasons here for for why that happened because obviously there's something like Ro- you can get something like Rockefeller and that's just more about um, you know strengthening ties with obviously people of note Jay and Dash in that case um, and making them happy uh, but they got so, I've, I I just think they got so large that they can't it's like I said, it's hard to reach down. That's why. That's why Interscope got TDE because TDE could reach down, and you know they're still reaching down. Like finding finding Sir out fucking nowhere. Like I didn't hear that dude until TDE came through. I you know what I mean. So it it makes sense in that sense, but um, I I I just I just feel like they just got too big and uh, they couldn't really find a way. And obviously, there's easy. I don't want to say easy, because <laughs> I'm not a label head, but you know, I feel like there could have been ways that they could have uh, 
done better on that front because obviously the point you're getting at overall is that there's there's no there's none they've kind of lost steam at this point uh in especially in the past decade or so where you know like you said they're just riding on Kanye to the wheels fall off and his label technically you know, good music uh you know with people like Sci High for example um mm. it's 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 just there's there's a stop there's a blockage there and uh you know there's obviously solutions we can I don't know potentially offer but I'm not really here to offer solutions I'm not I'm not really that educated in that front but uh, you know it's 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 I just wonder where you come into all of that from my word vomit that I just delivered right there <laughs> well let me posit a theory let me posit the theory I I posited okay. earlier firstly let me talk yeah. about like let's let's show that they have actually dropped off so I have every Def okay. Jam album and where it charted and how many albums were released that year. Now, and then I have the percentage of those albums that dropped on Def Jam that year that went top 10 on the Billboard 200. Now, think about Def Jam like this is not a little they were run that's what I'm the biggest thing about the 90s where they were run like a boutique uh, label but they were there to create stars that was always their job yeah. they wanted their artists to get paid they wanted their artists to chart it wasn't about commercial uh, sorry it wasn't about critical success it was about commercial success um so i've got like that percentage of how many albums dropped for each that went top 10 for each president now obviously rick rubin and russell simmons was only 16.7 percent. that was when it was just starting you know that's totally fair they were right. entirely independent they were working out of their fucking bedroom like that's fair uh, when Lior yeah. was in charge in the early 90s, it was 25.3%. Again, they were growing. Lior came on like, what, 88, something like that, 89. So it was still early days. And this was before hip-hop really had its commercial watershed moments in the early 90s. Then we uh-huh. get Kevin Lyles, right? So Kevin Lyles was president. Uh, let me find when Kevin Lyles was president. Um, but Kevin Lyles is a massive 70.9% of uh of the albums that came out on Def Jam during his reign went top 10 that is insanity so Kevin Lyles was 1998 to 2004 man 1998 yeah, that's, the, that's the yeah that's the golden yeah that's like Leo Leo was 98 1988 to 1998 so he was overseeing the the, the transition into like the major label mm-hmm. section mm-hmm. and Kevin Lyles 98 and then so De- uh, Universal buys Def Jam in 98. Kevin Lyles has this incredible run. Listen to the numbers now. 52.9% Jay-Z. Okay, Jay-Z was 05 to 07. 55.2% L.A. Reid. L.A. Reid was 07 to 2012, that five-year period. And it was, you know, nearly 20%, 15% less than Kevin Lyles, like significantly less then we have mm. Joey Mandar, which was 77.8%. He was only in charge for one year. Then we get Steve Bartels, 2013 to 2017. Now remember, this is the absolute key. Def Jam's trending down whilst hip-hop is trending up. Hip-hop at right. this point, as soon as the streaming era came in, went ballistic. It went bonkers, man. I've run these numbers a million times, the way that hip-hop was outcharting pop in 2018. Hip-hop now became yep. the most popular genre, the most top 10 albums, the most top 10 weeks. Steve Bartels, in charge of the biggest hip-hop label of all time during the period when hip-hop is at its peak in America, 45.1%. And then we get to Paul Rosenberg. 
Oh my <laughs> days, do we drop down, bro? Do we <laughs> fucking? You're not gonna believe this number. Nineteen point one percent. Nineteen point one percent. Twenty eight. Twenty eighteen to twenty twenty. Oh, oh, a really challenging time period for hip hop. Bro, it's not rock fucking label. It's not rock albums. This is hip hop. <laughs> You're in charge of the the biggest label in the greatest genre uh, in the most popular genre, and you're at nineteen point one percent. He just was trying a bunch of shit that wasn't working. TJ Porter, Kosha TG, Maxo, Susie Wu, Sneak, Ten K Cash. Who the fuck are these artists? The Farley <laughs> album went nowhere. There were two TJ Porter albums that year: Landstrip Chip, Nissan, Young Tory. Who the fuck are these artists? And that's not a slide on the artists. That's not a slide on the artists. That's a slide on the label. I should know who you are. I should fucking know, especially me. I should know because I listen to everything. We should know who these artists are. And it's just terrible. And so the theory that I have, and I, I told Charlie earlier in the week, is that when Def Jam began, uh, Rick just said that they didn't care. They just wanted whatever sounded good. They didn't care whether it sold. They didn't care whether it was from a big name artist. None of that shit. If it sounded good, we were going to put it out. We were going to push it. And that ethos ran all the way up, man. It just kept going. Look at what they did with DMX, where they had that opportunity to go the commercial route. They didn't take it. And hip-hop, right? So so hip-hop is born of the struggle. We know that. We've spoken about that a million times. It comes from the African-American struggle. And what the beautiful thing about it is, the amazing thing is that they've managed to make art out of it. Imagine that. Imagine going through that horrible oppression and even like Good Morning right now, like the first five songs on my playlist this week are all protest anthems. Even at the darkest times, hip-hop manages to make art out of it and important art, essential art, like art that changes people's perceptions and, and it's changed my perception on everything. So like that was the, that was the, the goal of, of Def Jam was to... Uh, promote the art that was being created from the struggle, and then hopefully we'll make money. The third step was like, hopefully we'll make money out of this. They got better at making money, but it was never the end goal. It was never like, I know I said that they wanted these artists to be stars and to make money, but they never compromised the fact that this this was art being made from the struggle. Then we get Universal come in, and the problem is that these major labels don't understand this because they didn't grow up on this. This is not their area of expertise. It's why Charlie said they have these sub-labels. It's why Interscope went and got TDE. TDE knows this, you know, and Interscope is there to kind of facilitate them making money. The problem is that Def Jam is the sub-label. Like, they've become the sub-label, and they're so lost and confused yeah. now. So what then happens is that Def Jam, instead of focusing on hip-hop struggle or sorry the african-american struggle making art they lost that first step and instead focused on making money out of that art so that first step is now gone they don't understand it they don't know it they don't feel it they don't it's it's not part of their uh their process anymore it's not like we want these artists to be making art from the heart we want them it was like we actually just want to make money off their art and that's the major label system. And I think that is where they lost it completely. And I genuinely feel like, you know, I used an example like the review averages where, mm. you know, we all know that uh, major labels 
lean on reviewers in order to get a decent review average. Now, if if I just told you those statistics from you know the last 10 years, and I know that commercial success does not equal critical success, but it's pretty clear that Def Jam's been in decline. And yet, the review average of their major commercial artists on the label is 71.4. Like that's so high when you consider Dreamville is at 72.7, and that's like a boutique label. Rock Nation is 69.6, OVO 68.1, Cash Money 63.8. Now, if you look deeper, you look at like outliers, like, well, not outliers, they, 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 they show what's been going on. Logic, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Professional Review Average, 65, User Review Average, 37. Hall of Fame by Big Sean, 10, the user mm. review is 10 points lower than the professional view. Two Chains, Boats 2, we all know that that wasn't a very good album, Boats 2. Like, I love Two Chains, but 14 points lower, the user review score. And so it's they lost this connection. They, they This is the exemplification of them losing that connection to what hip-hop is. It's like, we're going to pay reviewers now. And I'm not saying that they do this. I don't have, like, receipts to show they do this. I'm just using, like, pretty, you know, publicly available information to come to this conclusion. But I'm using it to highlight my yeah. point that they didn't care about how the art was being made anymore. They just cared about making money off the art. And I feel that's where they lost their way. I'd, I'd be interested to know if you if that resonates with you, Charlie. Mm. Mm. Uh, if if I can't, if, if I if you can't if you're, <laughs> it, it's so confusing to me now because now that you've put it in that light, uh, I'm wondering what I'm, I'm wondering what 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 is the point. Like <laughs> with the video ball, like if if you don't have, mm-hmm. uh, if you don't have artists doing decent, like uh, in in this case critical numbers, right? From a user perspective, right? What what what's the what's the point? Like, I guess the I guess the money's being made somewhere because uh, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to find like a. I, I don't know a reason that they're worthy of uh, this. They're worthy of the reverence that they have as a name. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I just, it's kind of lost on me now. In in this in this you know forty or so minutes that we've been talking about it, it's just like you see Def Jam is like you know this the the logo so iconic, the name is so iconic, all of it's so iconic, right? And then. You just get to now, and it's just like it's just it's just that it's just that label that's under Universal now, and it's just a bit it's just a bit depressing to think about. Uh, I it's it's very similar to um you know stuff like Double XO and the Source. Uh, it's oh, this it's, it's yeah. kind of the same vein for me. Um, not I don't, I don't think as bad as. Uh, something as the source. Um, that was that was I think on average that's probably the deepest drop out of the three. Um, <laughs> bang bang, but um, yeah, it's 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 a pretty steep drop um, from, from a pretty deep deep uh, drop uh, fall from grace. Um, and it's, it's kind of it's kind of a shame to uh, to come to that conclusion. Um, but to try and lock it in, uh, I'd like to just ask. So out of all of those things. Uh, 
if you could lock it into one specific problem, whether it was, you know, the leadership or the overall uh, atmosphere of the place or the artist that they had uh, at any given time uh, or the fact that they were brought up just by Universal, that may have just made some... They, they may have just made changes that we can't, you know, categorically say... Uh, I wonder what is that? What is that one glaring reason? Do you think the this you know just decline from like in a in a, in a twenty year span has just been so? Uh, it's just it's it's, just, it's like the slowest death. It's just mm. uh, it's depressing to look at. At least at least something like uh, I was I was like this watching I was like this weird tangent I know, but I was I was like this watching F one today. But like uh, Lewis Hamilton said, uh, I've lost power, and they, uh, for for half for half a lap, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was just like sweating a bit, and then like it's and then like uh, their engineer just like came through, going, um, "It's fine, it's fine, it's just an energy issue, so it's, it's all sweet now." I'm like, oh, "Thank fuck!" Just if if you're gonna go out, go out. Just don't don't hang about for a lap. Don't make me sweat mm. like that. Uh, I explode if you're gonna if you're gonna die. Explode. You know what I mean? Mm. Supernova. Don't just slowly degrade like the rest of us. Like that's just, ah, uh, it's just sad. You know, what I mean, just going from the noughties and then just looking at where they're at now and the, and the artists they've got on there. And you know, all the big name artists that they have on there have their own label. So what's the point? Like, do we, do we even? I mean, obviously it counts from a financial perspective, but like, eh, culturally it really doesn't. Kanye's good music. We know him as Def Jam. Like I said, same with Logic. Like I said, you know previously, eh, it's it's just not it. It's just not it anymore, and I find that a bit of a shame. And you know, I mentioned Motown before. Motown has little yachty, bro. Once I saw that, I I, I got depressed as shit. <laughs> I got so depressed. I was like, how the fuck? Where did Motown go wrong? <laughs> it's, just, it's just so depressing. So I mean, I mean, maybe they maybe it happens to all of them. You know, maybe it happens to all music labels, I guess. Uh, in that case, if the, if the two of the biggest ones in my mind go like this, slowly die like this, and just become just another label, um, like the rest of like the other fifty million labels that are out there, um, what 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 what's the point? You know what I mean? What 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 is what really is the point if there's no um, cultural reverence that they used to have? Like I don't, it's just depressing. See, the thing that, well, I'll answer that question, your first question in a second, but the thing that I find really interesting, like you've mentioned Visionary Music Group a lot of times here. Visionary Music Group is an independent label that Logic is just signed to Def Jam and Visionary Music Group. Like oh, Visionary isn't okay. Visionary isn't related to Def Jam okay. at all. Okay. It's just that Logic is a Def Jam artist who also happens okay. to be signed to the record label and management company. I don't I know see. what the... I don't know exactly what their deal is. It could even just be a management contract because, you know, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Rock Nation has a lot of management people as well. Okay. Um, Thanks for that correction. So, yeah. So, and and that's the thing, like, you know, because we could look at it and say, oh, yeah, good music's the same. Like, Def Jam's kind of doing what it did in the early, in the late 90s, like finding these, these labels and then signing them and allowing them to kind of foster these young talent. But, I mean, good music's the same. Like, good music was kind of worked on by Kanye for seven years and then it was bought by Def Jam in 2011. You know, it was a, it was a, it's a long-term exclusive worldwide label agreement is what they call it. Um, and so that's only then is when it actually started to really pop off for good music. But good music already existed prior. 
Like with uh, something like Murder Inc. or Rockefeller, like, yeah, it existed prior, but like it was not really a thing, you know, until Def Jam kind of like they were looking, they were looking for this, and and now it feels like Def Jam is just. But yeah, I I think the perfect. I think what happened and the reason, like if you could boil it down, it was just a perfect storm in the mid early two thousands when Leo and Kevin left. They both left together. Leo went to Warner. Uh, he went to Atlantic, and then Kevin, I think, went to Warner like really soon after. They were so essential. Leo had been sixteen years, fifteen years. He'd been there. You know, he was basically Def Jam. He 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 even says in interviews like, "If you cut me, I bleed." Def Jam. He still loves the label. They left, and then they brought on L.A. Reid. And L.A. Reid, like I've I've again heard a lot of people talking about what he did for the label. He was his background was R and B. And Def Jam is a hip-hop label. So they said that L.A. Reid came on and they hired Jay-Z as president to give it that hip-hop credibility and to give it like a little bit of hip-hop know-how. But they also say about L.A. Reid, who was at LaFace and Arista, that he didn't really know how to bring up new artists. He was great at like keeping stars going, like in enduring, like uh, increasing the longevity of superstars. So I think if you look at it, they just lost their, it's exactly as you say, they lost their power, they lost their momentum, they lost their ability because they just didn't have it anymore. Like, it's like what we what we prided ourselves, what we built ourselves on. Like, we were bringing up these young artists, we were turning young hip-hop artists who no one even knew about before into superstars. Because mm. someone like Redman, you wouldn't know who Redman was if it was not for Def Jam. Def, Redman, is, Redman is Def Jam. You know, he will always be Def Jam. It's like they just couldn't do it anymore. They had no idea how to do it anymore. You look at those, as I say, those young artists that I talk about now, and no one even talks about them anymore, you know? And even the established artists aren't doing well commercially. That's what really is scary because this is meant to be their lane now. Like Jadakiss dropped Ignatius this year and it did. It was terribly commercially. It did nothing, you know? And so... That I think that is the thing. It was that perfect storm in the early two thousands when Leo and Kevin left. Uh, they they hired Ellie Reed, who was R and B focused, and they weren't an R and B label, yeah. and they just lost that power and that momentum and that that ability to bring up new new artists and new talent. Because if you think about it, that's the key to everything, man. Like we already know that rappers have a very short shelf life in general in this game. Um, I mean, Jeezy's still signed to Def Jam. Do you do you remember the last Jeezy album that came out? He dropped a project in 2020, but you didn't know about it. Like, you know. So, you know, I think they're starting to improve a little bit. Like, looking at their 2020, 2020 release, like, they had 070 Shakes, Modus Vivendi, uh, Justin Bieber's Changes, which was garbage. But JD Kiss Ignatius, Janae Iko's Chilombo, which is a massive album. It's done Good really album. well yep. commercially. But then, like, Abino Rideau, uh, and then they had Tiana Taylor, but that was through good. And then, yeah, I mean, they have they seem to be reducing their load at the moment just to try and, like, get back on top of things and, like, work out where the fuck they're going. But they don't have a president right now. After Paul uh, Paul Rosenberg left, they, they don't have a president. So, yeah, I, I know I said a lot there, but it is a complex thing, and it's something that no one is really... Like, I looked for a lot of information on this topic to see whether someone had really broken down what had happened, you know, why yeah. it was this way. And no one has, you know, no one's actually sat down and said, this is this is the reason, this is the reason. So we've had to, you and I have had to cobble it together from a bunch of different sources. Yeah. Um, but I genuinely feel it was that early 2000s, man, that, that switch over. 
And uh, it's just sad. It's so sad to see what they've become. You're right. You are so right about everything you said. It's like it's just like they're keeping the lights on at the moment. It's like they're <laughs> they're not they're not exciting. They're not raw. They're not new. It's not as bad as Double XL and the Source, of course, because they've just completely given up. Like at least Def Jam is still trying to put on these young artists, and they're still tr- they're not just signing everyone who's popping or yep. everyone who's big or all these legacy acts and trying to live off that. They are still trying to push new artists. It's just not working, you know, and they've just lost it, man. They've lost that power and they're, they're, they're pressing the accelerator and nothing's fucking happening. They're like, we've lost power. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? And it's sad to see him go out like that. I really hope it isn't the end for Def Jam, but it's a sad situation, man. Yeah, it's just lack of evolution. It's just... It just didn't evolve and putting L.A. Reid in uh, that position <laughs> at that, p- that pivotal point it was, a mistake. was just like a terrible decision. <laughs> it was a mistake, <laughs> like, man. Because like... what you said about him like, t- just res- uh, resonated with me. Like Just when you were talking again, just um, saying that he's he- he's good to keep keep stuff up. But not to you know push things forward in that case. Like he'll, he'll keep the status quo, but he'll not push it forward. So I was just like, well, why the fuck they hire him if, if if Dev Jam was clearly on decline in that front? Madness. But anyway, we tried. Uh, did we fail? Let us know <laughs> if you have any other. <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, no, don't let us know. I'm, I'm not good with criticism. We're getting, I got to get criticized. You feel. No, I don't want to know. Tell us how, how you feel. feel. Tell us how you feel. <laughs> Tell us why Honestly, you're mad. Well, well you know, none of Tell us know. Us like, there's no definitive answer. So, you know, it go, you know, you can tell us go fuck ourselves, but I'll tell you to go fuck yourself since you don't have an answer. So, you know, if you don't have an answer for me, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And, and, we we can only hope the Def Jam gets to the po- well. I don't think they'll ever get to the point that they previously were. I don't think anybody. I I, I don't think any label could have such ubiquity like they did in the mid nineties. I don't, I think that's impossible. Um, but you know, please try. Let me please, please, let please me try. T- let me tell a story just quickly. Like there's been two it. separate labels that have spoken to me, and both of them are major labels, and both of them have referenced Def Jam in the nineties as the place that they want to be in their hip hop department. Like we want to be like Def Jam was in the nineties. We want artists coming through. We want, you know, this to be a cool hangout spot, interviews, people like doing ciphers in the office, you know, printing up posters. Like we want that community feel with our hip hop division. And those major labels are so far from get and they've both used the word cool. So immediately (laughs) if someone says, We wanna be cool Cool. (laughs) Wanna be cool. Clunky, bro. Clunky. <laughs> Don't call me cool either. Don't say you're cool right now. No, I'm not cool right uh, now. Like that's so you know. Immediately, you're never gonna get there, and that's what it feels like with Def Jam at the moment. They're trying to be cool again. Trying to be cool, and it's not happening, man. It's just not happening. And uh, maybe that that idea of you just don't try as hard. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, just I still on, say stuff. Focus. I still say stuff is cool. By the way, you know, I, I say it's cool. You know, I, I, I say. That, yeah, but that's but. a different thing. Like, it's cool means like it's how you yeah, say it. Right. But like, yeah, you if say you it. say, "Oh, you you cool. You're on the cutting edge. You know, you're you're a part of the culture. You're a part of yeah, the you're part of the cool the landscape." <laughs> yeah, no, shut the. There's no cool. Don't call me cool. <laughs> Don't call me that. Like it's just lame, oh. <laughs> bro. On a on a minor side note, I saw like um I saw like an advertisement to the anti-social social club, and I was like, 
that shit still exists. Fucking hell, bro. What kind of yeah. douchebag fucking designer shit is that? Madness. Why would you... Who cops from that? Who, who cops that and like, yeah, go, yeah. Yeah, the antisocial yeah. social club. Yeah, that's We're what, so that's, antisocial that's me. that we've, we've banded me. together to be antisocial together. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dumb fucking... Oh, so, they're trying to be poetic and I'm like, no, it doesn't work. But anyway, we leave it at that. <laughs> I'll be too light, though. Uh, mine happy birthday to Fred Hampton. Uh, uh, the the film is uh, dropping uh, next year, and I'm very excited for that. Featuring Daniel Kaluuya, shout out to him, and obviously Lakeith Stanfield, and uh, just one of those people that I just find so fascinating in history. Like that dude died at 21, but did so much. Like just thinking about that, and uh, an R.I.P. Unfortunately, to uh, Mr. Chadwick Boseman. Um, just uh, I'm I'm going to talk about it more thoroughly on what's good, but um, just put simply, like. Obviously, a major surprise, like to like obviously to everybody else, and that wasn't in his inner circle. Um, that he had that, um, had stage three and stage four colon cancer. But man, I I I I dare you to name anybody else that did all that shit, uh, while battling. Man, that's that's a that's a workload. Like, just go see the films he put he he put in on, uh, put his talents on. Like during that four four year period, absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy, insane immense. Strength. So, uh, Never insane man, insane. Do that exactly. Like it's just it's it's. I can't fathom it. I I genuinely can't. Like it's a it's a it's a relentless it's a relentless um ethic that I just I I I'd rather not have. Like I don't want to have cancer to have that kind of work ethic. Uh, but man, if if you can. If you could bottle that work ethic up and sell it, jeez, man, that'd be something. But uh, yeah, man, R.I.P. to uh, now now a legend in my eyes. Um, I, I I I enjoyed his work um, thoroughly throughout, and uh, you know he was he was going to be the next Denzel. Like he, he was, so he was he was right on that road. Obviously, he was put on by Denzel when he was younger, um, and you know he was that up well not upcoming, but that established black actor that was doing bits. And just slapping every role he was in, and you know, and 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 eternally humble, eternally humble. So, uh, it's a it's a mad unfortunate loss. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was sad, man. That was really sad. Like I obviously didn't know what he was struggling with, and I don't want people to just gloss over that fact. Like I know when when someone passes, someone young passes, uh, who's in the public eye and who's a great person. People tend to uh, rely on hyperbole to describe them, you know, and, and say like they were this this great or they exaggerate sometimes, not exaggerate, but like, you know, uh, really give these qualities that they had kind of superhuman strength. This was superhuman strength. This was genuinely yeah. like shit you couldn't even imagine. Look at the guy, man, like visual it was medium. awful. Like you see oh. him, you see his body, like you see, like go see him in the, the five bloods. He has his shirt off. Do you know this? Like, do you, would you have even thought that? You wouldn't have gone. Oh, he's looking a bit thin. Like, I, you know, you don't. I, you you just don't think about that kind that, of stuff. You, you don't. Oh, it's just unbelievable. Like, you can't. I can't fathom it. And I've seen some pretty incredible feats of strength in my personal life. I can't even fathom what he went through. Like, that's insanity, man. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, that was sad. Shout out to Chadwick. Like, that was uh, and his family and his friends and everyone around him and everyone who's grieving at the moment. That was um. That's brutal, man. That's a that's a brutal situation, and and it's really sad. 
Yes. Just before we go, just right, just to, we'll just get a bit lighter. We'll just get a bit lighter. Go for it, Charlie. Do me why do you never you never you never shit on albums on this podcast? I never hear you come in here with negativity. I never. You're very <laughs> positive. I come in here and just drag people, and you you just do you just like everything, or do you not not like? If you no, don't like it, you don't talk uh, about it. Uh, well, I'm sure I have named a few albums I don't like over the, over the past, like, you know, time we've had this show. So, uh, and there have been some albums that, you know, that have been underwhelming for me. And that's kind of at a point where I know who the artist is, but they're trying to do something like the different or just it didn't reach my expectations. Um, you know, you could say the, maybe the, the Tame Impala album, I I expected that to be, you know, right on my right on my shortlist for album of the year. It probably won't be, um, for whatever reason. So you know, it's there's, there's some stuff I've listened to that I'm just like, you know, lukewarm on. Um, but there's uh, there's really there's really an album that have just that outright offend me. <laughs> like, there's 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 really there's really an album that outright offends me. Like uh, there's 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 a couple of songs like as I look through these albums, uh, that you know kind of just. I, I, I'll never listen to that again Jesus Christ but uh, you know there's it, really an album where I'm like I have to I have to I have to tell the people how doo-doo this is because most of the time people know it's doo-doo anyway so I'm just like yeah mm. it, it is what it, you, you guys know is crap there's no point in putting time in this so, um, yeah if there's that rare album where it's from somebody you guys don't know and it's doo-doo um, then I'll have a problem on my hands, uh, problem in my hands, because I don't know whether to go for it and talk about it, or just outright not even talk about it and just just leave it. Because, uh, well, actually, there was an album. Uh, that album I told you about. I won't name it, but that album I to- there was an album. Uh, there was guys. This it was week? so horrible. Huh? This week? No, 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 no. Ages back. Ages back. Um. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna say the name, but I'll edit this out. Um, that uh, that that low that uh, that oh, album where it just yeah. sounded like so oh, drowned out. Do you right. remember? Yeah, yeah that was doo doo. That. that was doo doo. Mm-hmm. All right, but I didn't I didn't want to mention it because I just didn't feel like what, I, what 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 am I gonna do? Like tell you guys it's trash. Don't listen to it. You guys didn't even know who that person was at the in the first place. So. It doesn't really. I don't. I don't know if it helps anybody in that front. Uh, so, and I didn't really have any constructive criticism for it. It was just terrible. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> if I have constructive criticism for it, I'll mention it. But uh, yeah, I just didn't have any for that particular album. So yeah, that's kind of how you got to keep all of that conversation in and just cut the name of the album that you set out so people just beep it, beep, and people are like, <laughs> what album? Because if you talk, do that, man, do that. That would really infuriate people. But no, right. like, Fine. listen to yeah. Charlie, listeners. Listen to Charlie, because that is a very mature attitude to have. That's a great attitude. When I shit on an album and tell you don't listen to it, this is a podcast, man. We have to be entertaining. I've got to come in here and, like, <laughs> it's 6 a.m., you know, I don't know, I'm tired. It's a Monday morning. Yeah, you gotta, I've got to you fire myself up. up. Yeah, you got to yeah, So up. I usually do that with the last album, and I just go crazy. I, I just start, like, going off on it. And it's to me, it's kind of funny. Like, I, I don't tell you don't go listen to internet money and mean it. I don't mean like, I don't want you to ever stream this artist because they're so bad. They don't deserve your money or your streams. Like listen to whatever the fuck you want, man. But yeah, that's a really healthy attitude from Charlie. So uh, 
Well done, man. Well done. Charlie, Charlie's mature. He's only 18 years old, but he's a mature guy. Like, he's a smart guy. Hey, Listen what? to Charlie every week. <laughs> I'm trying to gas you up even more. <laughs> yeah, but like 18 just threw me well off. I was like, what? I don't mind a bit of like, lying do you, do you know, Oh, you're joking. Okay, right. <laughs> For a second there, I thought you weren't joking. I was like, you do know? Oh, okay, okay. Right, I see where you go. All right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. Very I just, mature, Charlie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is what it is. Like, um, like, and you know, just to... No, I don't want to, like, elongate this in terms of what my, you know, opinions on this stuff is, but, you know, when I, when I started listening to music properly, uh, like when I was, like, 15 or so, it was a very personal journey, um, like like it is for all of us, you know. But um, for me, it was for some people. It's some people can do that for films, right? Where you discover a film and you're like, "This is amazing," right? And you wanna and you wanna like widen your palette for films, and you go watch foreign films, and you do that kind of stuff, right? There's loads of people I know that do that have done that, and you know they and they're mature about what how they talk about movies. Music is like that for me, where I just I feel like it does, like the whole whatever I listen to, it deserves that, um, you know, d- deserves that mature just um, mentioning of it, and um, you know, it's 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 just that art form that I I'm not into personally. Obviously, film I'm into personally um, from a career level, but music I'm not, so I can just enjoy it for the art that it is, and I like to enjoy the art form. And, you know, just block out the rest of it uh, most of the time. So, yeah, I, I, know, I know most people don't have that. And and instead, it's just like a like kind of like a sports fandom where you you can you can shout all the garbage you want. And, you know, by all means, go do that. It's fine. You know, if you want to treat music like a like a like a football game, go go for it. Like, it's 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 yeah. Put out all the put out all the negative energy you want. It's your life, um, but you know I just enjoy I just enjoy hip hop and music for for what it is, and uh, you know it's just it's a it's a it's a purely fan thing for me. So uh, that's kind of why I try not to you know can shit on stuff. If I don't like it, I'll say I don't like it, and then I'll just keep it moving. So, and uh, you know it's what it is. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a more refined well. way of saying it. Don't worry, listeners. I will continue to shit on albums yes. every week. I'll continue I mean, it's down so that path. creative. It's so creative. Like, what was the, what was the, what was the, um, what you said? Uh, like, uh, personality is a blade of grass, something like that. Was... Yeah, gold, yeah. gold, gold. Here for yeah. it. Always here for I'm it. Gonna be every week, man. Don't worry. <laughs> Without fail. Without. <laughs> Without fail. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, on a genuine light note. Uh, from the Fifth Element Podcast Network this has been Digging Digits I've been Charlie Taylor of the Fifth Element I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers we hope you enjoy this episode give all the criticism <laughs> positive or Just negative get any more mentions <laughs> give all of that all of the mentions all the replies negative or positive uh, and, we'll, and we'll shit on you if needed if need be and uh, yeah we hope you all have a good week we should always try and do the same but until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digit.
Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. That's the Chill Records for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and chill records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been the Fifth Element Podcast Network and Hip Hop by Numbers Collaboration. Thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits.